and gentlemen, welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast with your host, Isabel Ross. As a personal trainer, accredited endurance coach, and now podcast host, Isabel is bringing you the best advice, tips, and tricks for health and athletics. Two Australian trail championships, a 24-hour track race, six-foot track marathon, and has represented Australia three times at the long-distance mountain running world championships. I mean, I guess you could say ain't no valley high or mountain low that she can't run, right? I mean, it's the other way around. Anyways, let's just say she knows a thing or two about running. Did I mention that Isabel has raced all over the world, including participating in the notorious Barkley Marathons? So, yeah, she knows her stuff. You'll be sure to get all your questions answered and maybe even a runner's high just by listening to the advice and good vibes of the Peak Endurance Podcast. I joined Izzy's 28-day mindfulness program because I'm an ultra runner, but mostly because my running is my biggest sense of stress release and um, joy, and I find a peacefulness in my runs. And sometimes I think, like most runners, I do find that my thoughts can kind of get in the way of my running. And so it was a really lovely opportunity to have some specific prompts and some um, structure to really helping me to be more aware of the thoughts that I was having and then and then also to sort of know what to do with them if those thoughts were not really helpful or they were working against me. And I'm hoping this is a strategy set that I'll be able to use for short-term runs or short-distance runs or fast or hard runs as long as as well as those longer runs where you're running throughout the night and those sorts of things. So thanks, Izzy. It was a, a really wonderful experience to go through that structure for 28 days. So you like running, but you're feeling pain or irritation you can't enjoy it like you once did. Or worse, your performance is taking a big hit. Now you're reminiscing on the good times where the wind blew past your ears. Nature looked lovely as you passed it. What are you waiting for? Go and visit the specialist at Health and High Performance. With the latest in technology and a wealth of experience, the team at Health and High Performance can help you with all your running injury and performance needs. Let's get you back to doing something you love with the results you're capable of. Head over to healthhp.com.au slash run or you can find them on Instagram at Health High Performance. Health and High Performance are located in Mount Albert, Melbourne but are available for telehealth appointments not only Australia-wide but also around the world. So contact them now on their website to find out more. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It's a solo one today and today I'll be talking about the 10 things all runners should stop doing. But it's not all negative to balance this. I'll follow up in a couple of weeks with an episode on the 10 things runners should do more of. Now, just a little update. Ron and I will be at the Four Peaks race this weekend. So if you're there, make sure you say hi. Can you believe that I have never done this race before? I know mind is blown. But that's because as a teacher, I was never allowed to take cup day off. So finally, I don't have to work Monday. Although quite frankly, I will no doubt work um, after the race because when you're a small business owner, that's what you do, work every day. I am very excited to run, but pretty sure it's going to be a wet and muddy four days. But that's okay. That's all part of the fun, if you ask me. 
Also, you may have seen my post from Sunday on socials about my longest run week that I just did, not including race weeks, obviously. Last week, I ran 160, well, 161 kilometres for the week, not including my walks that I do to practice fast walking. I used to include those fast walks in my run totals, but this time, 160Ks was runs only. Now, don't get me wrong. I still walked in some of my long runs, especially when uh, Ron and I were running <clears throat> around in the dandy, spectating the roller coaster run. I was walking some of those hills, well, pretty much all of them. But hey, isn't that why we love running on the trails? Speaking of fast walking, do you include that in your training? On your long runs, make sure when you do walk that it is with purpose. And you probably should practice hiking on a lot of the hills, even if you could maybe run every single one. Practice hiking, no lollygagging, it's walking fast because you will eventually in an ultra need to do that. As close to Cosy is 240 kilometres, I won't be running the entire way and there won't be big hills to hike, like in the mountains, that's my excuse, oh, it's a hill, I'll hike. So that means um, to break up the muscle groups that I use and just to have a break mentally and physically, I will walk at times. But once again, even though it'll be a break from running, it is not meant to be a break per se. I'm not, you know just doing a Sunday dawdle I still need to work hard thus I need to practice the art of walking fast I go a few times a week for walks in the afternoon where I try to maintain sub nine minute case sort of 8 30 to 8 40 pace if I can for five or so kilometers over undulating terrain give it a try see how you go it's hard work but once you get in a rhythm quite manageable but to get to that stage where walking fast is a, is a manageable thing to do, I need to practice it. You can't expect to just magically bust out a fast walk on, on race day consistently. Um, a few years ago before my 24-hour race that I won, I did the same. I was the first person in the race to walk after only 15 minutes of running. Actually, it could have been less. I think it was um, like 13 minutes of running because then I did a two-minute walk. I felt a bit silly working, walking so early on considering no one else did. No one walked for an hour. I'd walked four times by then. But it was part of my strategy and it paid off as I won overall. I have no clue how I'll go at Coast to Cozzy and, and that's not the point for my walk breaks, and especially because it's not my usual race. But I know that the run-walk strategy works for me for long distances so that's what I'll be doing and that's what I'm practicing. And we all need to work out what works best for our bodies. So I know this works for me mainly because I was brought up fast hiking with my parents. So I'm quite good at it naturally, though God knows I hated it when I was younger and there was a lot of whinging and sooking, but, you know, that's another story. But what I'm saying is if you are going to be walking at all at any point in your race, it would behoove you, and I do like that word, to practice it in training. Alrighty, let's get to the meat and potatoes of the pod. At 10 things runners should stop doing. Number one, sandbagging. Too often I hear at races, and yes, I have heard myself in the past say, oh no, I'm not really fit. I'll probably go really crap in this race. And so on with a million variations of, of this theme. I'm sure you've heard them all before, or quite frankly said them yourself. And, and, you know, that's fine. I totally get it. I've done it too. But I've learned over time that what we say and think about ourselves becomes a reality. We basically create it. So please stop saying negative things about yourself. That's why I now will say things more like, I don't know how I'll go, because quite frankly, I don't. Because I, I know how I fit I feel but, and how strong I may feel, but I don't know how fit everyone else is and I certainly can't control their race. I say I'll do my best and, and that's what you should always be aiming for you. That, that's all any of us can do. And if my best isn't good enough on the day, I can live with that. 
as long as I know within myself I've really done my best. So no more sandbagging, especially if you actually are one of those people who, who wants to do well, be proud of your work. If you say you want to go well, then say, or, you know, going for the win or a sub, say, yes, I'm going for the win or the sub, whatever, or, you know, to win my age group, whatever it is. Before I won GSCR in 2019, I told my crew and anyone that asked that I was actually going for the win, and I was. I knew it was still not 100% in my control because I didn't know what the other girls had been doing training-wise, but that was what I was aiming for. They knew, my crew then knew to support me with this in mind. If I hadn't have won, it wouldn't have been the end of the world, but at least I would have known I gave it an honest crack of going for the win. All right, number two thing runners need to stop doing is inconsistent running, random training, where some weeks there's quality, some weeks none, some weeks all the runs are at a hard pace just to catch up, some week three runs, next week six, and so on. To get good at running, we need to put in the consistent work day after day, month after month, year after year. It's not sexy, but it works. And running requires patience. Random training, hodgepodge training, does not allow for long-term progression. If you want to improve as a runner, you need to run consistently, which means regular quality sessions, regular long runs, and regular easy runs. Alrighty, number three, taking huge breaks off after races. Some runners feel that they deserve a break after training so hard and in a, such a focused manner after a race. And yes, while I agree with breaks, and I'll get to that in a minute, a long two to three month break, which can stretch into five or six, who knows, from any kind of structured training, will make getting back into race shape and, and the discipline of getting up every day and running every day, it'll make it so much more difficult. Such long breaks actually end up leading to overtraining as you try to play catch up before your next race. To avoid this, take a short break from structured training for only a couple of weeks then get back into it. Not at a high level. It doesn't need to be the same level all year round, but regular and consistent training. Think of the um, last point that I just talked about, consistency. Performance readiness takes longer than the, a 12, 16 or 18 week block. Personally for myself, I feel that the last 10 years of running, could it be longer? I think it's 15, good Lord, um, is the base I use to develop my running from now, okay? So no huge breaks from training. Number four, another mistake is taking no break from training after races. Okay, so this may seem like I'm contradicting myself here from the last point, but hear me out. I recommend a full week of pretty much no running after a 100K or 100-mile race. Yes, to walking or cycling or swimming or maybe towards the end of the week, a short run, but all easy and unstructured and easy, no pushing the pace. After a week, introduce some, quality, uh, some easy runs. Ugh, no quality yet, please. Depending on how hard you push yourself, you can reintroduce a small amount of quality after, you know, those two weeks or maybe a bit longer, depending on how you feel, and then slowly ramp up again. It, it's great that you want to get back into training straight after race, and this often happens after a bad race, which is actually counterproductive. But you need to understand that your body has micro damage you cannot see or feel, and this needs to be respected if you want to recover enough to do well at the next race, or else you just dig yourself backwards and backwards into a deep hole and especially if you want to be running for years to come and don't we all honestly number five runners not making time for themselves now look I understand we all live busy lives and running can seem like a selfish pursuit but as the saying goes you cannot pour from an empty cup 
a nice cliche, but it's true. So fill your cup first. You need this time for yourself. And then you're more able to help others and not feel resentful doing so. I always felt I was a better mother when I went for a run and had a bit of a break from the kids. Number six, not working on their mental game. Too many runners only work on the physical side of training then wonder why they mentally crumble come race day. The mental toughness side of the equation needs to be worked on with as much discipline as the physical side. This may include choosing to train when it is wet and cold and yucky, not waiting for the break in the weather. Training when you don't feel like it. Um, training at odd hours of the day, doing a long run on your own with no one to keep you company and, and, you know, and thus make the kilometres tick away quicker. Pushing harder in intervals, but not too hard. There's a fine line. That's where having a coach helps, just saying. Um, using positive mantras to keep you going and developing mantras that work for you and so on. There's lots of different things, um, you know, that I work on in my mental toughness um, workshops. You can work on your mental toughness skills all the time and you should be. All right, number seven, not eating enough or eating too much of the wrong stuff. I see a lot of runners who don't eat enough to sustain their runner, running. I hear about people who go out for a four to five hour run and who might only eat one muesli bar or nothing. Imagine if you were at work or at home, what would you have normally eaten in that four to five hour period? Breakfast, lunch, and yet there they are, out running, working hard, pushing their bodies, eating one muesli bar or, or the like, you know what I'm saying. Then wondering why they feel like crap or have no energy. Um, you need to consume calories to push your body or else you're teaching your body to run slow if, if that's what you want to do and run feeling bad. And, and it just puts your body in a physically in a bad place and puts your training backwards. You're not getting the benefits from the training. Food is fuel, not a tool for punishment of the body. The reverse of this is people who fuel with junk food, and I'm not just talking about during the run, but outside of that. Yes, it's all calories, but the body really needs high-quality food to run well. We've all heard the analogy with the car, so I won't repeat it here, but you know what I'm talking about. Seriously, junk food increases inflammation, which in turn increases the chance of illness and injury. It also does not provide the body with the building blocks and the nutrients it needs to heal and fuel you. And yes, heal you after a run. You've caused damage. Please eat high-performance food to have a high-performing body. Number eight, not sleeping enough. There is no advantage to staying up watching Netflix or social media scrolling or any of that. Sleeping, however, has innumerable benefits. Please prioritise sleep. It will bring unimagined benefits. I will do a podcast about sleep another time, but um, and I have done one with a sleeping specialist, so have a listen. Number nine, not strength training. I'm a runner, so I only need to run. Is that how it goes? No. It's true that if you want to be a one-dimensional athlete, only run. But if you want to be a strong athlete, and that's what we are, we're athletes, we're not just runners, who is more resilient to injury, you need to strength train. For my clients, I provide them with programs that are only 30 minutes long, two to three times a week, but they create strong, robust runners. So not having the time is no excuse. Not liking the gym is no excuse because it can be fun. And there is only so much running the body can handle. So to take your training to the next level, include strength work. Number 10, not rolling or stretching. Or doing both is really what I mean. Running is hard on the body. It is. We all need to roll and stretch every day. And if not every day, at least every second day. I get, you know, the little hard ball out and roll on the tender spots and then stretch it for 20 to 30 minutes every day whilst watching TV. Sometimes not every day, probably more like every second. I'm not asking you to become as flexible as a gymnast because that would actually 
not be good for us, but simply to slow down that, that path of tightness and lack of mobility that comes to all runners over time. I cannot emphasize enough how important this is if you want to keep running long into the future. Dynamic stretching before your runs and static stretching after your runs. I do this in the evening as I don't always have time directly after my runs because I run in the morning before work, which is fine as long as you make the time to stretch. And honestly, if you're sitting on the couch watching TV, stretch. If you struggle with this, I'm about to start a stretching and mobility challenge. Please email or DM me if you'd like to join. So there you have it, 10 things runners need to stop doing. If you think I missed some, let me know. I'd be interested to hear. I will record a pod about the things runners need to do in a couple of weeks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, could you please, please write me a positive review on Apple Podcasts? I would appreciate the feedback and the support. And please also, I would love it if you would support the people who support this show. That is Health and High Performance in Monte Albert. Luke Nelson is an amazing running-focused chiropractor who will get you back running if you have any niggles or injuries. He is absolutely fantastic. Once again, can't recommend him high enough. And Pete Chocolate, who will give you 15% off their delicious range just for being a listener to this show. How easy is that? Use the code Isabel Ross, one word, all caps, and Isabel with an O. <laughs> Otherwise, it won't work. Have a simply wonderful and magnificent week, everybody. I am so stoked you joined me today. I might see you out in the trail soon. Bye.